The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Popcast. And my guest tonight is, he's the five most wanted muscle and head of security, Big John Murray. How's it going, John? What's going on, Robin? How are you? Pretty good. So what have you been up to lately? Uh, basically, right now, I've just been recovering. Uh, had a major surgery in February. Kind of put me in a coma for about three weeks. And uh, luckily, I have Cody and Sean and Hooks and the boys came up, visited me, kind of got me back into positive spirits because I, uh, I was in a bad place for a while. That's pretty good. And you're looking pretty good, too. Uh, through, because of this surgery, I've lost about 30 pounds, which I'm not very happy about. I lost a lot of muscle and and uh, stuff that I was working on with Shallon, Casey, and uh, but we'll get back there. You know, what, what do you do? Oh, exactly. Oh, and also, thank you for your service. You're a, a Marine veteran as well. <laughs> yeah, that's the best thing I ever did. <laughs> Any memorable experiences while you were in the well, Marines? Well, I, uh, evac- we, I was part of uh, Operation Eastern Exit, which is where they uh, evacuated the embassy in Somalia in 1991. Then I was Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and then uh, we went back to Somalia and did some training and uh, had a pretty bad helicopter wreck in 92. So, um, you know, yeah, there's definitely memorable experiences. Uh, because of the helicopter wreck, uh, one of the guys that was saved in the wreckage is the uh, founder, the original founder of the Wounded Warrior Project. So I'm pretty stoked about that. That's pretty good as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell everybody where you grew up at. Norwood, Ohio. Went to Purcell Marion High School uh, as opposed to Norwood. I thought it would be a better decision. Wound up being uh, part of the 1987 state championship team and uh, moved on from there and went straight into the Marine Corps. That's pretty good as well. So what got you or influenced you from the Marine Corps to get into uh, train to be a pro wrestler? Growing up, uh, I used to go down to the to the professional wrestling matches at Cincinnati Gardens uh, and see some of the legends. I mean, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, uh, Iron Sheik. I mean, growing up, I was a supermark. I I loved wrestling, loved everything about it. My dad kind of had a negative uh, negative outlook on that. Knew that I wanted to do that, but uh, he didn't see that as a career. And uh, he was more adamant on the forty hour nine to five job. And I decided to break away and go in the Marines. And then uh, when I got back, I started training at the HWA with Cody Hawk and. Uh, Nigel and a couple other uh, names. Les uh, Thatcher. What, yeah, Les was the Les was the actual trainer there at that time. And uh, lo and behold, right in the middle of it, I had injured my neck. Took some time off as things were starting to pop, and uh, wound up in the music business. <laughs> oh yeah, you're in the music business. <laughs> you were like uh, some uh, professional big uh, security guard for bands like uh, Kiss, Poison, yep. Kid Rock. I, were, I didn't actually do security for KISS, even though we were on the tour together. Uh, but I was still part of the, the KISS family for about uh, four months, five months when we were on tour. Uh, amazing group of guys. But it all started with the band Rat. Uh, and lo and behold, it was, a, it was an accident that completely went awry. It was something that completely went awry, and it turned out to be the best op- door of opportunity that ever happened. Went up to uh, Cleveland to see Rat and Poison play together. And I was really good friends with the guys from Rat. Bobby Blotzer wanted to ride home from a friend of mine, Tower. Not, I'm sorry, not home, but back to the hotel. Okay. <laughs> so Tower winds up giving him a ride home, tells me to take the bus back. I'm partying and hanging out with the band, or the uh, the crew, 
and the rest of the band that stayed there. And I wound up getting on a crew bus and wound up in Detroit. And a few days later, they offered me my job. So instead of coming back to Cincinnati, I'm in Detroit, Milwaukee, all these other places, and wondering how the hell I'm going to get back to Cincinnati. And they wind up <laughs> offering me a job. So they're out on tour with Poison, and I met Brett and Ricky, and a little, you know, about a year later, I was contacted by the Poison organization, and they were very happy with the way that I worked, and they asked me to come join their family. That's pretty good as well. Um, let's talk about your uh, great friendship with uh, Brett Michaels, the lead singer from Poison. You guys are like very close. Your families are close. Uh, well, we're all close. Um, I don't. I don't speak to Bobby and CC as much. Um, CC is one of those people that if you come across paths with them. Your family, you can start. You can you, your conversation leaves off at the, from the last one. I uh, love him to death. Bobby, I don't really interact with too much, but once again, love him to death. Um, he's his own entity in himself, and he kind of stays to himself. Brett and Ricky are like my brothers. I love them to death. They have been such a big part of my life. Um, with Brett um, and Ricky both now, the births of our chi- children, um, marriage, separation anxiety, the life on the road, everything that comes with it, we have really formed a bond that I never would have. If you told me at eight years old, I'm going to be best friends and brothers, quote-unquote, with Ricky Rocket and Brett Michaels of Poison, I would have kicked you in the damn shin. Uh, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> I, 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 I know. I wouldn't have believed you either if I didn't know you as well, but I know all that's the truth as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, you did a reality show with Brett as well. I did do a reality show with Brett. It was uh, three seasons of Rock of Love. Luckily, knock on wood, it was and still remains the highest rated reality television show in TV history. Wow. So we still hold the record for the ratings. Um, I believe we had 40 million viewers a week. Oh, I could see that. Um, it turned into, you know, it was weird because we did the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never really been on that side of the camera, so I didn't know what to expect. Um, by the time we finished filming the season, one of the producers and directors came up to me, uh, Matt Odgers, and he looked at me and he said, are you ready for this? And I said, and I literally asked him, ready for what? <laughs> and he said, your whole life is about to change because they knew what they had. We didn't. Um, But when the TV show aired, the very first episode, I was in Salt Lake City. Uh, I I can't remember the name of the club, but I walked (laughs) into the club. And obviously, with the first show, first season, I became the biggest heel in reality television because we had 25 girls. And I came out. I said, just let me do what I do. (laughs) And five girls right off the bat, I picked and said, you're going home. Brett didn't even know what I was doing. I just I said, this is what I do. I said, ladies, you know, unfortunately in the real world, not everyone gets backstage. You, 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 and you go home. Wow. So the director comes up to me and he goes, what did you just do? I said, I just made history. And he goes, you just became the biggest quote unquote ass in television. And I was like, that was my goal. So what did Brett think about that? Brett lost his mind. Did he really? He, uh, he knew he knew why I did it. Uh, but he also told me, what if one of those girls was the one? Don't make those decisions without consulting me first. Because obviously, I mean, he's, he was the boss, yeah. you know. But uh, I felt it had to be done. I wanted to make... Uh, I, I didn't want it to... You know, Brett and I went into this knowing that it was going to be different. Brett told the producers, I'm not doing this without John. We have a chemistry. We work great together. Thank God he did. Um, <laughs> because he very easily could have done it himself. But um, 
you know, I went out there and I was like, this is what I do. You know, this is this is my life. So I wanted the world to see kind of what Big John does when Brett's not around. Ah. So, you know, I mean, and, and in reality, concert venues, arenas, theaters, stadiums, I go out in the crowd with a handful of passes and I pick out the best looking girls and say, come on back, we're having a party. Wow. That was my, that was, that was my gig. <laughs> oh, shoot, I bet you got laid a lot too, didn't you? I, I don't kiss and tell. I can just tell you. <laughs> oh, so, got, you're, so you're a real gentleman. <laughs> I'll just wait, wait for the book to come out. Oh, there's going to be a book. That'd be kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, I've, you know, it's, it's funny. Everybody keeps asking me, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? <laughs> the problem is, is that we have shared some of the greatest and worst and mind-boggling experiences that you could ever imagine. And some of the stuff you can't buy. Um, you can't even imagine it. And if I told the story, people wouldn't believe it. Um, but there's no way of concealing identities. I can't change the names because people are going to know mm-hmm. who I was working with. I mean, it's either Poison, Kid Rock, or, or in between, you know. So it's really hard for me to sit down and take, my, take from my brain, put it on paper without compromising someone's identity or life. That's pretty good. I will so definitely pick up your book. <laughs> if they ever give me the okay to write it, it'll be done. But yeah, I, I got to be very careful. Yeah, because you got bread. Because I'm just as guilty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I have a daughter now, so I don't want that reputation with my daughter. So what was it like uh, um, working with uh, Kid Rock? It was actually one of the greatest gigs I've ever had. Bobby, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is... The day that I met him was at his house. He was throwing a party for the crew in Detroit. Mm-hmm. They flew me into Detroit. I, they brought me out to the house. He comes walking up, um, shakes the production manager at the time, introduced us. I was like, hey, Rock. And he goes, no, 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 no. No. He's like, I'm Bobby. Kid <laughs> Rock's the guy on stage. I'm Bobby Ritchie. And immediately I was like kind of intimidated. Me, intimidated. And uh, as time went on, we became really close. He, you know, I took care. I didn't do. I did security to a degree because he had his own security guy, Little Bear. Mm-hmm. But I assisted Little Bear as much as I could. I was more of a personal assistant for him, so I handled all of his wardrobe, all of his travel arrangements, everything. Made sure that all of his jewelry was shined up. And yeah. he, when he went out on stage, he looked on a scale of one to ten. He was a ten because of what I did. I took very, very great pride in making him look good. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I've, I've seen so many pictures of him on Facebook. Oh, he, you go these rock cruises and yeah. just living that rock and roll lifestyle. Oh, yeah. That's my boy. <laughs> that's pretty good as well. Now, uh, let's go to the wrestling aspect of it. So you went to HWA and trained by I Cody did Hawk. Mi- about the mid-90s, with 96, 97 with Cody. Okay. Co- there was Cody, you know, Chip Fairway, uh-huh. uh, Shark Boy. A lot of the names that, that were pretty impactful back then um, and still remain today. You know, Shark Boy still wrestling. Cody's become one of the elite trainers in, in the wrestling business. So it's really good to come back 20 years later and still see these names and faces and be a part of their world. So um, how long did you train? Um, did you also get into the ring as well? After- uh, no. Actually, what I was doing was I was. It, we got to the point where I was going to be in the ring uh, they were going to start giving me my pop and pushing me, mm-hmm. and I got a neck injury while yeah, we were training one day, yep. and it it really scared the hell out of me. So what I did was I backed off, took about six weeks off, and when I got back in, I was so gun-shy, scared of my neck, that it just never culminated into anything that, you know, it, it, I, I was I was too jerky to, uh, 
to pursue it at, at that time. And I went to Jackson Breeze, and I went to Cody, and I went to, you know, I didn't go to Les. I went to Jackson, Cody, um, GQ Masters at the time, yeah. Shark Boy. And I said, look, this opportunity has presented itself to work in the music business. This is after they offered me the job. Okay. I came back and I told them, I said, this opportunity has presented itself. I may be gone six months. I may be gone six years. I never thought it would be 18 years later that I'm still torn. Yeah. And doing Monsters of Rock cruises and this and that. Um, never in my life did I dream that. But um, I'll never forget, Jackson and Cody looked at me and Sean looked at me and they were like, if you don't take advantage of this opportunity, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate yourself the rest of your life. So I went ahead and, and did it. And one gig turned into the next, into the next. And here we are 18, 19 years later, 20 years, actually 22 years later. And I'm still actively involved in the music scene. I know you are. Gosh, there's times where I've wanted to take a few days and just go with you. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. That could actually happen. I would love to do that as well. So um, now, since you were in, um, in, in wrestling as well, how did you become part of the five most wanted? I am going to leave that up to who we're about to call. We're going to have a very special guest on here with okay, us. Okay. I would like to I hear this him, your special guest. I will let him explain. And I wish they were all here because... We are all... You know what? I'll tell you a story before we call him. Okay. The, what happened was, um, from working with Cody and everything else, Cody was doing the HWA reunion at Bogarts. Yes. Gave me a call and uh, said, hey, we're doing an HWA reunion. You want, to, you want to put somebody through a table, choke slam them, power bomb them, do whatever? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the minute I got back in there, I got the itch. And it was like, Cody, I really want to do this again. I really want to do this again. And then uh, I'll let Sean explain. We're going to call Sean Casey, and I'll let him explain exactly how they invited me to be part of the uh, Five Most Wanted. Yeah, Sean Casey's been around a lot. He wrestled in WWE, uh, WCW, OVW, everywhere. He He was in Playgirl, too. Two times. True story. (laughs) He was a two-time Playgirl centerfold model, uh, Chippendales dancer um, from Hollywood, California. And I mean, this is stuff you you can't buy that. So <laughs> no, when, and not to quote Enzo or anybody else. You know, it's it, it's just uh, he is uh, he's a consummate professional, and I'll let him explain how and why they invited me into the five most wanted. Sean, are you here? I'm here. What's up? What's up? What's going on, brother? Uh, doing this, <laughs> doing the wrestle podcast with uh, Robin, and the question came up: How I was asked to uh, join the five most wanted. And I wanted to surprise him, and uh, we, I said, let's you know, let's just give Sean a call and let him talk about the five most wanted and how I got involved and what we represent. So you're uh, on. Oh yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> well, what's up, nationwide and worldwide and around the corner, around the bend? Hell, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. So the the question is, uh, how did we um, recruit? Big John Murray, is, uh, is that what we're... Um, well, the, the, I, I think what it was was the history of the Five Most Wanted and then how I became involved with it. Well, the history of the Five Most Wanted originally started... Um, uh, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, the Motley Crue song. Um, and uh, what is it? Is it Wild Side? Uh, that uh, when they started the band, you know, all they needed was a laugh. Years gone by, and say we kicked some ass. It was just kind of just kind of a, a bunch of guys hanging out and uh, having fun <clears throat> and doing what we do. And uh, we're like, you know what? What if we package this into a, a wrestling gimmick? 
And uh, what if we became uh, the five most wanted? It was just, it was a name I always wanted to use for something, but didn't quite ever have the ability to uh, package it into a group. And uh, uh, we hooked up, uh, Josh Raffrey and myself had hooked up with uh, Cody Hawk and uh, HCDA was doing TV at the time uh, across America, nationwide, I think it's 151, 150 networks uh, nationwide. And uh, so we had the ability to put the five most wanted on the map. And uh, Cody said, yeah, let's do it. So, uh, you know, we formed the group, uh, Josh being a, a UFC fighter, uh, was in the first season of Ultimate Fighter, only made sense that he was in it. And, you know, we were boys and he was uh, a good brother that was just uh, a close friend that was hanging out. And Cody, longtime friend forever, uh, been a brother since uh, the mid nineties when he first started in HWA uh, in the beginning when uh, Heartland first opened up. And, uh, you know, we were all hanging out and, and uh, doing the club scene and that and said, you know, what about packaging this? And uh, at the time uh, we had uh, a girl that was in the group with us, Samantha, and uh, it was only fitting. I mean, she was a former TNA dancer uh, when TNA first started and uh, they were gonna put her on the uh, on the first calendar that they had uh, and they were gonna make her like the cover model. So it was only fitting that she would be the female uh, in the group. Oh, of course, and, it's uh, only fitting. I mean, it's Sean Casey. You know, you surround yourself with, you don't surround yourself with mediocrity. <laughs> oh, only, only the best of the best. The, the creme of the creme. <laughs> and, uh, and, and with that, uh, uh, there was only one that we needed to add left uh, to that. And we're like, okay, now we got Josh, a uh, legitimate badass, no doubt. And uh, that's great. But I mean, we need a heavy hitter. I mean, we need something that's gonna just knock the socks off people. And uh, at the time, um, uh, Rosie, Big Maddie was, uh, uh, he was doing the superhero and training gimmick and, and had recently left WWE and was touring Japan and he was working as chemo. And uh, Cody had spoke with him and said, hey, you know, what about coming in and uh, becoming a member? And he said, sure. So uh, we introduced him and uh, we just laid a path of destruction. I mean, you got a 450 pound Samoan that can do a standing moonsault and uh, is just as bad as he is uh, big and just a, what an unstoppable force. And that was like the initial foundation of the five most wanted. And uh, it was just something that, and to this, to this minute to this day, is something that we always pride ourselves on was because the five most wanted was by name a gimmick, but it really wasn't a gimmick. It was just us, this is who we are, uh, this is what we bring to the table. Um, and as we fast forward to John, uh, I knew John years ago before he got in the music industry, and uh, he was first getting the wrestling thing, and had a wonderful break for him that he went on tour and uh, was with Poison for 20 years, and uh, was Brett's number one assistant, was on uh, three seasons of the Rock of Love. Uh, they had the uh, highest rated show uh, in the history of VH1. Um, so then, you know, as we had uh, uh, more times in wrestling, I run into John uh, during a bad time in my life uh, where uh, my father had, we didn't know he had cancer. And uh, so talking to John, and John being a Marine, and my dad being a Marine, he said, hey, I'll, I'll go, uh, I'll talk to him for you. Cause I said, uh, you know, my dad won't go to the hospital. And he said, let me talk to him, Marine to Marine. And uh, like a guardian angel, John talked to him and, we got into the hospital and, uh, I mean, we were making great progress and, uh, unfortunately he passed. But, uh, with that, uh, what we call our pops because my father became John's father and, uh, uh, 
it's it became a bond for us and he left um, uh, something where he said John you and Sean look out for each other mm-hmm. and so with that with that became a bond forever and uh, brought us together and brought John into the group we said okay uh, I pitched the idea so what about John coming to the group to the rest of the, the gang and they said well sure and like I said everybody brings something to the table so what did John bring John is our music guy John is our heavy hitter John is our big guy now John's our 6 foot 5 300 plus pound guy uh, that uh, has this giant elaborate music industry record now uh, that uh, is an unbelievable resume uh, he's my brother uh, he's a five most wanted member and he's our bodyguard and whenever we go along he's my bodyguard now so he's He's my diesel, if you will. <laughs> oh, oh, I there can, you go. Yes. And there it is. There it is. I can so see that, Sean. It's funny. You guys are like... Sean and Diesel. Yeah, Sean and Diesel. And um, you guys are thinking about, you know, going out on your guys' own, you know, um, going out there to make a name for yourselves as well. You guys have that great chemistry in the ring, too. And there's times where John uh, has picked you up and carried you out of the ring like a little kid. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, that only happens when we get screwed over. Okay. You know what I mean? Now, here, here's the funny thing. Here's the greatest thing about the five most wanted. You have Sean. You have Cody. You have Shauna. You have David J. You have myself. You have the West Coast faction with Billy Blade. You have the incredible edible Michael Barnes. You have up north. You have Eric Smalls, my boy. I mean, there's more than five, but there's different factions. And we all might be in a different place at any given time. But damn it, when we all get together, I tell you what, we got each other's backs. And the greatest thing is, is what you see in the ring is what you get outside the ring. There is no gimmick. There is no nothing. We are all who we are, both in the ring and out of the ring. You know, I can be the greatest guy. I can be your best friend. But if you if you cross my brothers, you cross me, I'm going to turn into an instant dick. <laughs> and I will handle my business. Shoot, me and you and Sean should have our own faction, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys can be my hitman. <laughs> I'm actually... We're hitmen for hire. You know me too well. <laughs> That's pretty cool um, as well. Um, yeah, tell me your um, chemistry. What are some of your guys' memorable moments in the ring, just you and John? Hmm. Uh, memorable time. Well, I mean, the, the beginning uh, memorable time was, um, uh, I think, when uh, John first came on board, and uh, um, you know he was trying to get some bigger shows under his belt, and uh, he had uh, went up to Michigan with us, and uh, Adam Rose had been fairly recently released from WWE, and uh, this was uh, a good night for uh, for John to uh, kind of shine through. So uh, we kind of left uh, Adam in a, a bit of dust right there uh, via choke slam for my big brother John. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Adam has you know the funny thing is is we've seen Adam. We faced off with him at a couple other venues, and uh, you know the funny thing is is he goes I I have never forgotten that choke slam, and I was like why because it was bad. He goes no because it I mean it really he really hit that mat. And I mean, when I put him, it, I put him through the damn mat, and he was like, "Whoa!" And it wasn't stiff; it wasn't anything. That's just me, you know what I mean? And he he really respected that because I told him ahead of time. I said, "Look, I, I don't sugarcoat. I it's 
We all know this is sports entertainment, but when I do it, it's going to be real. Oh, I can see it. Um, let's, Sean, we're going to talk about another match when mm-hmm. you guys were wrestling over at Bobby Fulton's show where you were taking on the Boogeyman. And, <laughs> and, John, and you guys didn't even know what you guys were getting into, especially John. John didn't even know what to think. No. Well, I mean, that, that guy is, uh, he's just, he's cut from a different um, tree, I think. Uh, it's just uh, anybody that walks with worms and eats worms and carries worms with them, there's just something different about him. And then before you even get the match, you beat yourself over the head of the clock. I mean, you got to kind of like decide exactly how you're going to approach something like that when you really get in the ring with it. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Um, um, also, I'm going to um, ask you this as well. Um, I had David J on my podcast a couple days ago, and I know you like to wear furs. And um, I asked um, David J, who wears the fur better, you or Joe Namath? And then that David just looked at me. He's like, you have, <laughs> you have to ask Sean about that. And I was like, well, if I see Sean, I'm going to ask him about that. And I'm also going to ask him if he borrows some of uh, Ricky Glam's furs. <laughs> well, I think Ricky would probably need more of mine. He had a pretty good assortment of closet full of uh, various furs. And uh, I like to think I wear them perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. David J just looked at me and I was like, okay, who wears it better? Uh, Sean or Joe Namath, man? <laughs> And he just gave me that weird look. He's like, why'd you ask me that question? I was like, I'm just curious. I mean, you're part of the five most wanted. (laughs) That's pretty wild. And like I said, um, you've you've wrestled everywhere. Um, You you wrestled in WCW, WWF, and um, OVW when it was, you know, part of the, you know, WWF system as well. Um, what was some of your uh, um, greatest moments when you were like uh, wrestling and uh, WCW? Uh, some of the greatest moments, um, you know, just just meeting a lot of the guys. I'd only been in the business for uh, about a little less than four years at that time, and uh, I guess sitting in the locker room across from different people um, and and meeting different personalities and, and stuff like that. Just That was my first chance to actually meet Chris Benoit and, and uh, talk with him for uh, just a few. And, and um, uh, you know, of course, I worked with um, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, the, uh, uh, he was a booker at the time and worked with Paul White, Big Show. And uh, that was uh, during a time where, you know, Buff Bagwell and NWO were really just uh, getting ready to tear through WCW. And... Uh, it was just, uh, it's interesting. You know, you, you grow up and you idolize things and you, you're, you're like the, you're the kid outside of the window looking in like, man, I wish I could buy something in there. And now you're inside the store getting to wear something from there. And so it was just really just like a dream come true. And, uh, you know, it almost gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Uh, being that close to greatness and being in a locker room full of people like Ric Flair and people like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and um, Hogan and Sting and I mean the list goes on and on the best of the best um, yeah it is and you've also had a lot of great matches over OVW too so what was it like to work over there with uh, you know Danny Davis and all them uh, Danny Davis is a great guy I knew Danny uh, when I used to work for Memphis in the old days of uh, 
uh, of course, it's old for me, maybe not. It uh, wasn't old back then for those guys, but that was when uh, uh, WWF, of course, and uh, it was uh, Memphis was a development, developmental area for them. Uh, hey, look who's so, here. Uh, hey, we got some special guests. We got Cody Hawk and Pretty Little Cycle, Shauna Reed. Throw it up. Throw it up, baby. <laughs> now, baby. Finally. Sean. Finally. Oh, I was like, who finally. the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Sean's on time every time. We're just rolling through on oh, our way to a party. Together again. Oh, it's Here a family reunion. We're just missing David. <laughs> just missing one. Bye, like I you. Like I said, it's hard to get us all in one place at one time, but when we do, we got each other's backs. Yeah. That's pretty good, man. Having Cody and Shauna back. <laughs> That's pretty good as well. But uh, so, so we were uh, we were talking about the uh, the developmental area for uh, uh, for WWF back then was Memphis. Now I knew Danny Davis and had matches with him uh, working for the USWA and that. So it was nice to uh, see a familiar face when I got to OVW, and uh, I actually chose uh, OVW over going to ECW. I had a chance to go to ECW. I had a tryout and was told to be in Cleveland on that Friday. And uh, Jim Cornette asked me, don't go. Uh, come to OBW just if I steered you wrong yet. And God bless Jimmy. He's get, he got me everything that I had ever gotten with the WWE. And uh, so there was just, I mean, it was a no-brainer. Do what Jimmy asked. So I went ahead and showed up for the OBW stuff and didn't go to ECW. Uh, and it was uh, it was something. Still to this day, to the second, to the minute, uh, this that, that uh, group right there, is the best assortment of guys to come out, I think, in history uh, of OVW, uh, of all that talent. I mean, we had a talent pool of Dave Batista, Brock Lesnar, Wayne York, John Cena, um, uh, Big Show was down there, Shelton Benjamin, of course, uh, uh, Rob Conway, Nick Densmore, uh, the damage of, uh, this goes on and on and was on. CM Punk there at the t- uh, was CM Punk there at the time, too? You know, CM Punk came, I believe, about two years after I was gone. So I was there uh, 99 to 2002, and uh, CM Punk, I believe, got there in 2004. He was he was a, a Heyman guy. So uh, when Cornette left and Paul Heyman came in and uh, started running OVW, um, a lot changed and, um, you know, some different uh, ideas and different perspectives. And, and uh, my understanding, uh, it was Paul Heyman that reached out to CM Punk and and uh, reached out to WWE asking to uh, give them a chance to, to uh, um, take a look at him and give him a development contract. Um, so I think Paul was the one that went to bat for him. That's pretty good as well. And um, you're also one of the originals at uh, HWA as well during the contract mm-hmm. era as well. Um, what was some of uh, your memories with the HWA, especially during the contract era as well? And um, and um, what's your thoughts about um, I'm going to be doing a upcoming uh, Heartland Wrestling Association roundtable podcast? That's going to be huge. I think that's going to be really, really neat. Uh, that's going to be uh, something for the record books for sure. Um, gosh, the, uh, the beginning of HWA for me uh, was, I believe, uh, around the 96, 97, uh, 1996, 1997 era. Uh, and uh, that was uh, the beginning of that. Uh, and I stayed up until, I believe, it was right around the second Pillman 
not quite to the, the second film when I was there, uh, and then had uh, left. And then, of course, they had the contract days, I guess, was probably maybe a year after that, I believe. Uh, and during that time, I was actually in OVW, so HWA did their TV on Sundays in the Davis Arena, and then, of course, we did ours on Wednesdays in the Davis Arena. So they would get a lot of the guys that um, were the WCW guys that were still in the contract guys uh, were uh, being housed in the HWA group. And uh, so I, honestly, I didn't have a lot of affiliation with uh, a lot of those guys because I was in OVW at the time. So I would see some of them in passing and occasionally I may work on a show or two with some of them or I may have just known them from you know being on the road different types of locker rooms and things like that. But uh, it wasn't until 2005 that I went back and started working regularly and we were doing TV again uh, with HWA. That's when the five most wanted group formed. And, uh, you know, we were back uh, running full-time with, uh, with HWA and back with Cody and, and everything uh, with the group. Uh, so to kind of answer your question, the contract days were good for everybody. Uh, and it was just a great place to be for OBW guys, for HWA guys. Um, ironically, I was in Louisville, <laughs> living from, you know, in Cincinnati, living in Cincinnati, going to Louisville while I, uh, you know, some of the other guys I think might have lived in Louisville, driving to Cincinnati or living in Cincinnati uh, uh, during their contract times with HCDA. So, interesting how it kind of flip-flopped and, uh, and uh, what an interesting pool of talent, so close, within 100 miles of each other. Um, I mean, I don't even know dozens dozens of uh, greatness <laughs> all in one. Oh yeah you know you think about you think about statistics and everything there has been I don't want to say more but I will say more talented individuals coming out of the HWA from the contract days uh, and OVW and everything else there has been more talent that has come out of this place not only because of people that were training back then but because of Cody Hawk. There's a reason that at CAC this year, he's getting the trainer's award. He has trained people like Dean Ambrose, Eli Drake, Pepper Parks, uh, Nigel. I mean, the name, the list goes on and on. Did he on also, and... um, I don't know if, sorry for buttoning into you. Um, um, did he also Just tra- don't do it again. Oh, okay. Don't don't choke me now. <laughs> Sean's probably going, what an asshole. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, if, if I was there live and in person, you would be scared to death. <laughs> all I have to do is give, I just have to kind of give that little little eyebrow raise like a little nod John hey. wouldn't, be, wouldn't be good for you Rob that's all I can tell you oh I know I'd be scared right now I wouldn't know what to do having big John and you after me I'd be like crying like a little girl as well but what I was asking since uh, Cody's trained a lot of people did he also have a hand in training uh, Kelly Klein as well I, that I don't know I, I, Sean may know I have no idea Hey, what, did he have a hand in training? I'm sorry, who was the last part? Uh, Kelly Klein. Uh, honestly, I don't know. Um, see, during the time, uh, whoever Cody didn't personally train um, with his own company or on his own, uh, he also, uh, during the beginning of the HWA times, when uh, Cody had uh, graduated that level, he was uh, in charge of training. So even if he didn't own the company, he was still in charge of training. Okay. So uh, people like B.J. Whitmer and uh, a lot of the great talent that had come through there uh, would have been uh, working with Cody underneath that. Uh, even when he wasn't a owner, per se, he was still in charge. And then later on, he you know, had graduated, moved on, and evolved into 
uh, owning various companies and having a hand in on a lot of different things. And of course, uh, continue training uh, big stars like Eli Drake. And uh, of course, uh, uh, we know him around town as John Moxley, but everyone else around the world knows him as Dean Ambrose. Um, and, you know, real recognized is real, and that's the reason why the CAC this year in Las Vegas, as uh, Big John said, is recognizing, you know, giving him the uh, trainer's award. Absolutely. You know, when you got someone like Cody Hawk, um, and the people that have made it to the to the to the top, the big leagues, the WWE, the ECW, WCW, SmackDown, everything. Ring of Honor and stuff. When they're sending their talent to be trained by Cody Hawk, you know that he has established himself. Yeah, he is the epitome of hard work. He is the epitome of paying your dues. He's the epitome of making what you do count. And when you see some of these guys, you see a Dean Ambrose, you see an Eli Drake, you see them out in the ring and they perform flawlessly and you're watching it on TV, you know damn good and well, not only does it come with conditioning and training, but it, it started with Cody Hawk. And that's why he is so influential in the five most wanted because we can go to him if we need help. I can go to him and say, hey, I need help with this. Hey, I need help with that. I need to be more influential. I need to be more of a powerhouse. Done immediately and you haven't begun to see anything yet i've run interference i've stepped in the ring i've done this give it some time the reckoning is about to happen i've said it on facebook and i'll say it again and i'll say it here live the reckoning is coming oh and it's going to be me and sean and cody and whoever else but if you get in our way i promise you the five most wanted are going to roll your ass over Oh, I can see that as well. Now, let's talk about another great promotion, which got a lot of media attention. Uh, at first, it was really hard to get it running as well. And uh, it's been making some great shows on Friday nights. And you guys have like a huge following as well. Let's talk about Future Great Wrestling. Love it. Absolutely love it. Brian, Cody, um, Jackson, um, hell, even Brian Beach. They have put their heart and soul into this operation. It is constantly growing. The city of Hamilton had some uh, some drawbacks at first. When every single one of us showed up in suits, ties, mm-hmm. blazers, we looked presentable. The city of Hamilton had no choice but to say, hey, we got to give these guys a chance. They are professionals. And look what happened. We made the front page. This is an organization that is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. We've gotten the notoriety. We've definitely got the talent. And not only that, but we bring some in, former former and current WWE champions, uh, top of the list entertainers and wrestlers and just personnel, period. I mean, we've brought in managers. We're going to bring in wrestlers. We're going to bring in just, you know, hell, announcers. You know, they're going to make cameos. These guys are not stopping until they reach the top. And I'm going to tell you right now, they are about to compete. Within the next year or two, they will be competing with. Them. Oh, I can I can see that as well. So, are you guys um, saying that Future Great Wrestling is going to be the brand new? Um, Don't say more, it. More better. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say the name. <laughs> Which name am I going to say? The Ring of Honor. No, okay. I was going to say HWA. Very easily could be. Very easily. I was could going be. that way. I wasn't referring to Ring of Honor. <laughs> I think Future Great Wrestling. Could be the the next brand new all better HWA. Well, you got a lot of talent that that not only train there, they've continued to work up the ranks that were in the HWA. Uh, you've not only got that, but you've also got new talent that Cody is continuing to train, and you've got a lot of <laughs> fresh new faces 
that are about to make an impact. I really Shauna Shauna Reed of the Five Most Wanted has been on Raw, has been on SmackDown, has been on a lot of pay per views. Um, she is a smidget away from the big deal. I honestly believe that she's a hell of a talent. Cody trained her from the beginning. Um, and that's just another way for the five most wanted to be represented. You know what I mean? It's, uh, like I said, when we come in, we make an, we make an impact and we're, we're not going anywhere, you know? So we're going to continue to build this, this organization and build this program. This is the house that the five built. That's what I call it. All right. So what do you think about that, Sean? Well, I, I agree 110%. Uh, like uh, John had mentioned, uh, Psycho Shauna Reed, she uh, uh, was somebody that we had scouted and uh, was a student of Cody's. And, uh, you know, we observed uh, as she uh, molded and grew and uh, evolved. And uh, she's continued to get better and better. And uh, definitely, definitely earned her spot with the five most wanted and is doing well. And uh, as we mentioned, everybody pulls her weight, everybody has. Uh, a value and everybody brings something to the table. Um, so, uh, with that being said, uh, the five most wanted, uh, you know, moving straight forward uh, uh, with the masterminds of uh, uh, David J. Uh, it's just, it's endless. Um, you know, David J. Now representing us, uh, the five most wanted is in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big John, who's done movies uh, previously, uh, is now doing more movies. Cody Hawk, myself. Uh, doing movies, uh, you know, we were just uh, um, featured and um, credited from uh, the movie Donnie Book that just came out. Uh, just to name a few, but that's most recent. Um, the new one's coming out uh, next Five week. Was, it's uh, Cody was in the public. You know, I mean, if you think about it, last year, five movies. This number keeps coming up, and it, it, it's the weirdest thing. Five movies were filmed in Cincinnati, and one aspect or another, all five of us are featured in any one of the five. Some of us are in all of them, you know, or, or we're all together in one. You know, Donnie Brook, um, I hadn't exactly gotten to that point yet. When I joined the Five Most Wanted is when they were filming Donnie Brook, so I was a little too late. Point blank, myself and Sean are in it. I don't know if, Sh- if Shauna and Cody made it in there. David J. has gone out of his way to make sure that not only are we visible in the wrestling world, we're visible in the public eye, we're visible in the movies. We are the only organization and the only team that I know when we say that we keep it together and what you see on in the inside is what you see in here is what you're going to get on the outside. We're the only organization that I know that constantly is showing up at Autism Rocks, Children's Hospital, handing out gifts at Christmas time. Um, you know, we haven't done, I think this year we're going to go to a homeless shelter and, and like around Thanksgiving and make sure that we can at least help if they need it. We go out of our way to not only make the people that need it feel special, but if you get in our way, we're going to roll your ass over too. <laughs> yeah. You get the best of both worlds. I know that's pretty good too. And uh, I, I think I think I think Tommy Rich once said he said TCB baby taking care of business. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know we just did. Somebody said something about Tommy Wildfire Rich. <laughs> we just we just uh, we just God God bless her heart uh, Tracy. Um, uh, a friend of mine that I grew up with, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. I called Sean and said, "Hey, they're doing a benefit for her." He comes out with the uh, with the belts. We we spend the entire day taking pictures, holding the belts with fans and friends of hers, you know. And we we do, I think we took like five bucks per photo, donated it all to Tracy. Um, you know, it, 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 you can't be part of this world and expect them to appreciate you and exp- appreciate the time and the energy and the blood, sweat, and tears that you pay with 
and not give something back. And when we do that, it not only tugs on my heartstrings and Sean's and Cody's and everything, we don't do it because we want recognition. We do it because it's the right thing to do. And when you see the look on these people's faces, especially, you know, you go to a memorial of somebody who passed away or you go to the Autism Rocks and you're standing there with Anthony Munoz and Kenny Anderson and some of the Reds and, you know, you're just standing there and you look at these kids that need it. You think you got a bad life? When you see them, you know that just that two hours, three hours that you spend there just made their entire lifetime. Oh, I can see that. Uh, I, I, I've seen you guys do a lot of great things, you know, so I could, I could back that up as well. And plus- we like to bring smiles. Uh, we like to bring electricity. We like to bring entertainment. Uh, and we like to uh, obviously be the show. And we like to have our hands in on everything because when we say that we're something, we don't just like to say, okay, uh, people that watch professional wrestling and say, okay, that guy plays this character. We don't play these characters. These, this is us. We're rock and roll. We're Hollywood. We're movies. We're uh, uh, in the entertainment scene in, in every way, shape, or form um, nationwide, worldwide. Uh, and whatever we say, we can back it up and that's guaranteed. And that's the reason why every single time that I finish sitting, every single time I say something about one of my brothers and my sister or any of us the last thing that said. True, true story. story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, because I'm, it's the I'm, bottom line. It's the golden rule. Ex- and it's not a lie. It's a fact. I'm going to go back to something. Um, Sean was trained by, we all know him and loved him, Brian Pillman. Brian yeah. Pillman brought Sean into wrestling. 20-something years later, we're, we're actually watching his son grow into an entity in, in itself. Uh, just around two months ago, we go to uh, Bill Cunningham. We're worldwide. We're on 700 WLW worldwide. And it is amazing when you walk in that room that Bill Cunningham, as many people as he's met, as many people as he knows, as many people as he's interviewed, didn't have to ask. He knew us all by name. And it wasn't, pre, it wasn't pre-given. We walked in. He knew Brian because Brian looks just like his dad. He knew Sean from previous interviews. He knew me from the TV shows and the movies that I had done. So it was, it, you know, when we say that we're out there, we're not trying to be cocky. We're not trying to be ego, egotistical. We can be, and we will be when it's time. But we're letting the world know that what we say is what we do. And when you get the five most wanted, you're getting the whole package. Everyone's bringing it to the table. Everyone puts a little piece of the pie in. And when you get it, you get a full pie. I believe this well. And speaking of, um, I, I didn't even know you were, Sean, you were trained by uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Brian Pillman. That's that's amazing. That's something I didn't know. And then John, um, didn't you also work with Brian Pillman as well? A little. I grew bit? up with Brian. Yeah, you grew up with Brian, and didn't you? He was guys- a few years older. Um, uh-huh. Brian came to the HWA when we were training, and uh, even though he was still under contract, uh, there were a couple people that actually showed up: Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko. Brian came in every once mm-hmm. in a while because he was the talk of the town. Uh, Brian actually got up in the ring with me one time, and he was like, "Let's do it." And I looked at him, even though growing up with him right down the street, I looked at him and I was like, I I can't even hold a torch to what you know. So I just kind of froze, you know what I mean? He walked me through, he walked me through a few things. Sean did this, Sean got me up in the ring. He goes, be the general, run the match. 
And I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I was so damn new. Uh, and Sean had his own thing going, but the fact that these guys take time, and you know, this is a business. You, the, when when the veterans take the time to get up, and, and this is twenty something years ago, when the veterans who had already established a name for themselves, been on TV, been on Shotgun, been on mm-hmm. Raw, you know, the real Raw, the 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 Raw era, the War era, mm-hmm. um, when these guys are on TV and they have thousands and thousands of followers. And to get up in the ring with me and say, this is what you need to do. This is how you call a match. This is this. This is that. To kind of break it down. Kind of put it into perspective. You know what I mean? It was like, I don't know shit. And it took a long time for me to... I, my goal was to go into ECW. I wanted to do hardcore matches. I wanted to bleed. I wanted, Because that's what I thought people wanted. Sean, Cody, everyone said, are you out of your damn mind? You're too big, one. You know, you don't need to be doing that stupid shit. Get in there do what we train you to do, and get the hell out. I get it now, 20 years later. After watching, you know, Sean Sean gets in there, and Cody get in there with uh, Cowboy Bob Orton and Tommy Rich and mm-hmm. all these guys. They wrestle for 48 minutes, and it's wrestling. It's not showboating like a lot of these things were done in ECW. I don't care how much you bleed. I don't care how many tacks mm-hmm. you land on. That's not wrestling. Wrestling is balls to the wall, Tennessee wrestling. Lock up. Give the people what they want. Incorporate the people. Make them feel, make them part of the show. And damn it, if you don't, you didn't do your job. Um, speaking of that as well, um, I was talking to you not too long ago. You were thinking about getting back in the ring yourself. Oh, I am. That's when I say the reckoning's coming. It's coming. As soon as I heal up from this injury, it's coming. Trust me. So when you start getting in the ring, um, are you going to have uh, Sean Casey as your enforcer? I'm still going to be Sean's enforcer. How about we're going to be a power? Enforcer. We're going to we're going to be we're going to be an entity in itself. We are going to be a powerhouse, a powerhouse. We're going to be the real rock stars. Uh, yes. Go, 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 go ahead, John. I'll let you finish here because we're going to be the real rock stars, real reality, and real life. You just watch what we bring. I definitely will. And if you want to add on to that, go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> there's, there's, some, there's some big surprises. Let me tell you something. You might he look at me. He's poking around. He's like, I feel like you're poking the bear. You know, he's just poking, he's poking. He's I like, am poking. Okay. I, I, can te- I can tell you this. I can tell you this right now. You're going to see me one day, and you're going to look at me the next and go, what the hell just happened? Oh, trust me. I'm not, and I'm not talking about going on the gas. I'm not talking about anything like that. You're going to see a complete transformation when it happens. The real rock star in me is going to come out and when it does people better get out of the way i guarantee it i'm going to be filming that as well and you better be there oh definitely will and especially sean Casey. and it's coming quick because as soon as i'm healed i'm talking within the next month it's going down um i, I hope you and sean casey as well become a tag team as well i you guys need to go out and start kicking ass and taking names <laughs> We'll you know, see just remind me. I, like, I always like to quote movies, and I like. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. I don't really, uh, uh, I watch some movies of today's era, but you know, I was a big fan of movies like in the '80s or the '90s or yeah. that. This whole situation here just reminds me of a movie. And it was, uh, I believe, it was right around the, the, the end of the '80s okay. or the beginning of the '90s. And you're asking about what's going to happen when John comes in. Is he going to wrestle? And what's going to happen then? And then what's going to go on? What's Sean gonna do? And <laughs> reminds me when Kurt Russell was on a horse, and he had about two of them to the right, two of them to the left. <laughs> this, is, this is my quote from Kurt Russell. This is my quote to you, Robin. This is my quote to the world. It's, you tell him I'm coming. You 
tell them Big John's coming to the real rock stars, and you tell them I'm bringing hell with me. <laughs> Booyah! Booyah! I'm liking that, man. I can't wait, man. <laughs> I've been waiting for this a long time. I've been poking John for a long time. <laughs> you have been. You have, and, and you know what? It's, it, it, it sucks because I'll tell yeah. you what. In a way, it sucks. And it, you know, I've had a few health issues. I had to have my shoulder yeah. reconstructed because of a choke slam in Kentucky. I had my gallbladder issue, which put me in a damn near coma for three weeks. But I'll tell you what, it, even though these negative things have happened, it's been a blessing because I've gotten to stand back. I've gotten to um, ensure that Sean and Cody and Shauna have won some matches. But it's also given me a chance to stand back, watch, learn, and understand the dynamics and the psychology as opposed to getting in there thinking I know everything. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much just by watching. And if you ever, if you ever, wonder where I'm at when other people are wrestling wrestling and working, you'll see me in the corner watching because I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been doing this business or anything in, in life. There's always something to learn. And when we wrestled the boogeyman and, and I ran interference and I wound up eating worms, that was the one time in my life that I was so glad that I sat back and learned, even though I got the shit kicked out of me and I had to eat some worms, it was done because I screwed up and I knew exactly why I screwed up. You know, there was there was no there was no blame in Sean, there was no blame in the boogeyman, there was no blame in the crowd. I screwed up, I took the brunt of it, and unfortunately I paid the price. But I can guarantee you I'll never make that mistake again. That's pretty good as well. I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm gonna think of Sean is this. Since you're gonna be doing a reckoning, you know, kicking ass in the ring, I would love to see you get into the ring when you start doing this with Paxton Calloway. I'll take his big ass out. That would. <laughs> All I got to do is last seven minutes. The boy can't breathe. <laughs> I would love to see you, you and Paxton. Bring it on. Exactly. <laughs> I like to see Sean Casey get in the ring with Paxton Calloway. You never know. Maybe we both will. <laughs> There's more than one way to skin hey, a... There's more than one way to wrestle Casey's a bear. Gonna... Sean Casey is an open door around the world, anywhere, <laughs> any place, anytime, because I know with myself, fearless as I am, but over my shoulder, with my big brother Sean, <laughs> ain't nobody on this planet or gracing God's green earth to stop us. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Let me tell you something. There's more than one way to kill a bear. <laughs> yeah. And that boy ain't little, but I'll tell you what. When one's coming, he better be watching his back. Yeah, I, w- I-, I hope that happens for you. He I squares would. off with Sean. You never know what's behind him. <laughs> he squares off with me. You never know what's behind him. All you got to do is get the big boy down, and it's over. And there's more than one way to get him down, trust me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then Ask Adam Rose. I'm quite familiar with the chairs and everything else. <laughs> I definitely will. And another thing... Uh, as well, uh, Big John, too. Uh, we've kind of built a friendship as well, too, man. You ain't my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Nah, he is. Yeah, we had that. We have that little great bond as well, which is pretty cool. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And and you know what? Whether it's me and Sean or me and Cody or all five of us, we want you there. Oh hell yeah! You can you can bet on it. And uh, <clears throat> like I said, it and Sean has said it's going to happen. Oh. I, 
believe me, mark mark this day down and remember where you heard it. The reckoning is coming. Oh, I'm going to be quoting that when I post that on social Absolutely. media. And then people will be like, what does that mean? Like it says, there's a reckoning coming. Mm-hmm. Go ask Sean. Go ask it's- Cuddy. OTW on the on way. The way. Hey, hey. <laughs> True story. <laughs> True story. True story. Throw it up. Throw it definitely down. That. <laughs> we are definitely in, in the, building. the building. Speaking of that, since you're going to be doing a reckoning and you're going to get back in the ring, have you ever thought of a cool theme song? Yes, I have. Um, going down by Sick Puppies. Ooh, I love Sick Puppies. That's going to be interesting. That, if I have my way. And I come out solo, if you will. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, using uh, Going Down by Sick Puppies because it, it, it pretty much epitomizes everything that I'm talking about. One of us is going down. When your face is on the floor, you're going to feel my foot right on the back of your head. Ooh, I don't want to feel that. I'd rather just watch <laughs> it. I'll let the other guy take it. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, you know, there, there may be some changes. There, yes. may, there, there may be some changes. Uh, it, it just depends on the situation. I'll, you know, Sean, Sean and I and Cody and the five of us have come out to, <laughs> we've come out to no music. We've come out to Motley Crue. We've come out to other people's music. Or maybe Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood theme song. <laughs> I'll make them my neighbor. I'll make them my bitch is what I'll make them. <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm, making Mr., I'm making Mr. Robinson from Saturday Night Live. Would you be my bitch? <laughs> that's great (laughs) big john thank you so much for taking your time and it's always a pleasure for you coming on this as well sean casey enjoyed it Uh, my pleasure as always thank you for having myself my big brother john on and the rest of uh the five most wanted that you've had on and previously in the past and also the future that i'll leave you with my last word throw it up (laughs) Throw it down, down, baby. baby. <laughs> All right. The five most ones. Don't you cut me off. Four, <laughs> in town. Look around you. <laughs> and also, also. Let's not cut me off. <laughs> Shut up. I'm laughing. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry. sorry. As many times as you've seen us, you don't know the stamp? Jesus. Oh, I do. I'm just having fun with you guys. Sorry. <laughs> like Roseanne, Roseanne, and Dana over here. Jesus. It's your show, it's, it's your show now again. Now you can take it you back over. Back. No, no. Say it. Do it one more time, Sean. I want to hear the whole spew one more time. No. <laughs> uh, come to the show. Oh, come on, man. Read the book. All right. Do, do, the, th- do the throw it up, throw it down. On with the show. Going on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to see um, I want to see you and Ricky Glam uh, have a, f- uh, a fur-wearing contest. You can wear the furs better. <laughs> Ricky's ain't a fur. It's a hey, cotton ball. Hey, check this out. We'll do it. For Dude, real. Ricky Glam ain't wearing fur. He's wearing a cotton ball. You see how little he is? <laughs> I want to see Sean get in the ring and uh, beat the crap out of Ricky Glam and um, show him, like, the only person that wears furs around here is Sean Casey. Keep it up, and I'll have Ricky Glam coming out in a Barbie Cadillac. <laughs> oh, if Ricky Barbie Glenn, Hummer. Yeah, Ricky Glam's gonna be listening to that, and be like, "What?" <laughs> I'll do it. 
<laughs> hey, Sean, where can everybody find you on social media if they want to follow you? Uh, you can uh, check me out on my uh, Instagram, at one real Sean Casey. Uh, on my Twitter, same, at one real Sean Casey. Uh, don't really have any kind of tagline on my Facebook. Just check out the Sean Casey in Hollywood, California, the one and only. Uh, any of my social media, don't forget to check out my MySpace. MySpace.com backslash Naughty Sean. True story. MySpace is still around. That's why MySpace closed. <laughs> hey, if you're, if you're good, Rob, I'll put you on my top eight. Oh, I'll take the top eight. Why not, man? <laughs> and you also forgot one thing, too, for all the ladies out there. They can find um, some issues of you when you were in Playgirl. <laughs> It's a short story. It's a short. It's, it's a short. It's a short story. <laughs> and like I said, <laughs> like hey, I said, hey, hey, let, me, let me tell you this. Okay. True story. It, it, it's such a big story. It takes two days to read. True story. I know what he's. I know what he's going to tell you. How he does. I'm taking a man moment. I know where you're going. I know where you're going, and I'm going to take a man moment while you're saying. It. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any any of the ladies that want to stop uh, uh, shop through eBay, I think you can get uh, um, both copies uh, both times that I've been playing girls. So uh, feel free to um, get your copy and uh, bring them to the shows. I'll definitely autograph those and probably a few other things. <laughs> I'll make sure I'm not around for that. <laughs> yeah, those are invite only. Oh, good. You're a smart man right there. <laughs> well, like I said, you know, thank you so much for coming on. It was great, Sean. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And um, I, all right. Take care. And everybody else, uh, this was a great uh, podcast with uh, Five Most Wanted, Big John Murray and Sean Casey. Everybody, thank you for listening. You can follow WrestlePopcast at Spreaker.com, Spotify, um, Podcast City at PodcastCity.net, Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. And you can find me at Twitter at WPopcast1 and on Facebook at WrestlePopcast. Have a great evening. Boom, boom. Cabana. Boom, boom. Cabana. Boom, boom. Cole Cabana, it's Cole Hey, this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana, and one thing I would never do is hit the marks, which is weird because you're listening to Hitting the Marks. Leave it up for your favorite character. Cabana Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and my special guest tonight is Wildcat Chris Harris. How's it going, Chris? Going great, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. Thank you for coming on and being part of the show tonight. And um, let's talk about a great friend of ours. Let's talk about Slick Rick Toms. Slick Rick. Good old Slick Rick. Um, it's his 25th uh, year anniversary uh, next month in January. So what do you think about that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm creeping up on that myself, and, and that's a huge deal. Um, Rick has been around for a while, and I, I met him my first year in the business. And um, in my opinion, the, the, one of the greatest ring announcers around, if not the greatest. I mean, I people think I'm crazy, but I put him up there on Howard Finkel's level. Um, 
he's just he's the best. He can take a um, a dull show, a, um, a dull event, slow, boring, whatever whatever it may be, and he can he can liven it up and pick it right up and make it interesting. Man, he's uh, he's not only a great ring announcer, but he's great commentary as well. Um, I've heard him do that many times, and a uh, great host. Um, he, he's, he's the best, man, in my opinion. I, I, I love Slick Rick. Um, I love being around him, even outside of the business, hanging out. Um, he's life of the party, whether he's working or he's just having a good time, man. He's he's a great guy, and uh, I'm proud to call him a friend. Yeah, and not too long ago, you went out to eat with him and Roger Ruffin as well. And Yeah, um, every once in a while, you know, after some of the events... It, you know, he, it's usually a weekend event, so um, NWF's usually doing something, and then I know Rick really stays busy as well. Um, but if, if it happens to be you know, to, uh, close to, to each other, um, you know, the NWF guys usually get somewhere and, and you know, grab a bite to eat, grab a few beers, and, um, and Slick happened to be, uh, I think he was in Harrison that night. So, yeah, we, uh, we all met up, I think, in Fairfield. And it's, 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 I mean, we're all so excited when he shows up, man. You know, we don't, we don't get to see him that much. You know, everybody's kind of gone their own way, but, um, anytime, especially me, him and, and Roger, we get together and, you know, we can just talk about old times and, and kick back and have a great time. And speaking of Roger Ruffin as well, um, you worked with him as well and you guys became like such great friends as well. And you were guys were also roommates. Yeah, Roger and I have been close uh, for that, that 24, 25 year span. Um, um, a lot of people don't know this, that um, that I actually trained. Um, I first got into business somewhere else in Marion, Ohio. Um, I went to their school. And those guys, um, they did really great training me uh, physically uh, with the, the wrestling moves themselves, uh, counter holds, reversals, things like that. Uh, but I did not know shit about the psychology of the business or, um, you know, the, just uh, the ins and outs of the business. I didn't know. So so as far as a wrestler, I was trained very well. Um, but there was a lot, of, lot I needed to know. I, I was still so green. And then I, um, I was uh, introduced to Bone Crushers uh, back in Cincinnati. And, I, you know, I couldn't believe it was so close. And... Um, that was back in the days we were doing the events at Peel's Palace. Uh, so I got hooked up with Roger doing the events. And uh, just to advance my training, I was going to Bone Crushers as well. And and I, and I Roger's the guy that um, really uh, took whatever I had at the time and, and really molded me and made me into the, the wrestler, the worker uh, that I became. You know, he, he, um, whether it was the psychology of the wrestling, um, you know, how to put a match together, um, when to do what during a match, uh, things like that. Do um, simple things like etiquette, you know, the, the way you conduct yourself in the business or even in the locker room. Um, I owe all that to Roger. I mean, he, he really did a lot. And and in my eyes, Roger has been one of my best friends. Um, he has been a brother to me. And he's even in, in many ways been like a father figure as well. Um, so I owe a lot to Roger. And um, which is a lot of the reason, even at, at this point in my career, um, I still love working with the NWF and and uh, you know doing whatever I can to, to to be there with Roger and to help help the young guys too. So um, you know, it's it's been a great ride, and, and Roger's been there the entire time. 
that's pretty good as well. Um, like I said, he's trained a lot of top-notch stars as well that's wrestling all over in the Indies and also up at the big show as well. And then you decided to further your wrestling career a little bit more. So what decided you to go down to Nashville? Um, I had, I was with the NWF and Roger in 95. Uh, I got started in wrestling in 94. I was with them in 95. And then I guess it was around 99. Um, I had kind of polished myself up and, and I was doing really well. Uh, one of the top baby faces in NWF, but, but, uh, in, in my eyes, I wanted to go as far as I could. I mean, I really wanted to make something of this, you know, crazy world of wrestling. And, um, you know, when you're when you're in the early stages of your career, you know, you're young and dumb. You think, you know, it, no matter how good you are, you think people are going to come search you out and they're going to find you and discover you. And that's not how it works. That's just not how the business works. You have to uh, you have to take yourself elsewhere and, and, and go uh, get as much experience as you can. And that requires a lot of uh, a lot of miles of, you know, travel and um, through a few connections that I had um, I uh, had got a connection with Burt Prentice in Nashville and um, Burt was uh, the top promoter down there they had a uh, local TV going on uh, so it was a, it was a big uh, you know since a lot of the territories had died down I'd, I'd still consider Nashville one of the big territories for, uh, for wrestling and so um, I made a commitment to start going down there I was going down every week uh, working for them, um, started doing their TV. Um, they were um, they were big on me, and of course I wanted to advance, so I was I was willing to uh, make that commitment. And so I was doing the TV, doing their weekend shows, um, and um, through that, uh, Bert Prentice had a connection with Terry Taylor, who was working with WCW at the time, and that's what led me to that. And also, uh, Terry Taylor wanted you to do a. Uh country singer uh gimmick as well and uh management turned it down yeah ter- terry was a big supporter of mine um and uh, a lot of people would laugh now with this country singer country music gimmick um <laughs> it, it is kind of funny to think of me anybody that knows me to think of me doing something like that but at the time at the time um while we were in Nashville, there was a there was a uh, country star named Clay Davidson. Um, you don't hear much about him now, but uh, back then it was it was a big deal. And they were uh, filming one of his videos um, in Nashville. Uh, the song was "I Can't Lie to Me," and uh, they wanted to do a. The song was kind of revolved around the entertainment industry, and um, you know you can kind of apply it to any 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 form of entertainment, I guess. And uh, they wanted to do. A, they wanted to do it around wrestling. And so they came to a, an event one night, I think it was in Columbia, Tennessee, and just took a look at some of the guys wrestling that night. And um, I was lucky enough, they, they were interested. They contacted Bert and said they wanted me for the video. Uh, of course, I jumped on it, and we filmed the video. Um, jumping back to WCW, the video was a big hit. Um, it was on CMT for a number of weeks. And while it was so hot, they made that suggestion because WCW desperately needed some, some new. Um, this was a original way of introducing somebody. So um, I thought it was good. I was willing to do it. I was, you know, willing to 
work on something that I'm, you know, wasn't comfortable being any kind of a country star or country music singer or anything like that. But um, it seemed like they were interested in it. I thought it was a go. They were even going to involve me with uh, Jeff Jarrett because he was doing his uh, country thing with the guitar and, and all that kind of thing. So I was going to be debuting the angle with one of their top guys. And um, it seemed like overnight they, they shut it down. Um, I'm not sure why they said it was... I can't remember the word they used, but they made it sound like it was almost too country, and which is funny considering WCW was a um, a, a South territory, South uh, company. Um, but it got shut down, and um, it is what it is. So, um, you know, I just continued doing matches for WCW during that last year they were in business. And then also... Uh what decides you to uh, to uh, be part of TNA? Did you go to them, or did they reach out to you? Well, I continue to, uh, let's see, I, I did WCW for their last year, so that went to um, probably 2001. And then in between the 2001-2002, I just I was trying to get out there and do as much as I could. Uh, there was even another company that was on the upstart um, that I... Uh, Myself, Abyss, we um, were involved in that. Um, that folded. So um, I, uh, I worked. Uh, I went back to Nashville to do some work. Um, they were still doing a lot of things there. And um, then I heard about this upstart company of TNA. And I had gotten close with Jeff during Jeff Jarrett during uh, WCW. So he knew of myself and as well as Storm. And. Um, so they kind of put together the, the the workings for TNA, and I guess they were about a month from from getting started. And they had a, they wanted to do a little test run for one of uh, Bert Prentice's show shows. And I think they were on a they were uh, scouting out talent, but they were also giving the broadcast team a, a, a tryout, some some uh, interview guys, you know, for a tryout. And they had a lot of the the execs there for W or for uh, TNA. Um, on that night, uh, they had, uh, Bert had booked myself and Storm in a match against each other. And uh, we knew they were kind of looking. And, and like I said, you know, Jeff had known of m- myself and Storm. Um, so the bottom line was Storm and I went out there and we said we needed to put together the best match that we ever ever had and that, that we could. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, I, I still go back and watch that match sometimes because it was one of my favorites. Um we just we we did everything we we knew how to do in that match, and we put a good psychology match together. Um, it was just it was it was really good, and uh, I'm glad they took notice. And I got to the back. Um, I knew everything that was going on with the production of TNA, and Jeff just gave me a wink and said he'd be in touch. And within days, uh, Bob Ryder, who had handled a lot of the contracts at that time. Uh, got in, t- in touch with Storm and I, and they wanted us part of their first event in June of 2002. And that was pretty awesome as well. And then they um, wanted you guys to become the tag team America's Most Wanted. But didn't you at first didn't want to be a tag team? Well, that's the interesting part. Uh, Storm and I were good friends, and we <laughs> we were even in a feud uh, in the, the Nashville area. And uh, when TNA, I think, um, and I've, I've told this story before, you know, I, I think TNA was still putting together a lot of things and they had some of their top stars that they needed to, you know, 
existing stars that they needed to build the company on, but they also needed some young, fresh talent. And um, I think they knew they wanted to uh, to do something with Storm and I, but they didn't know what to do. So I think in their eyes, they were they were thinking, okay, just put them together and we'll see what happens. So no, Storm and I, I think in our in the back of our minds, and and again being young and dumb, you know, we wanted to be some single stars, but. You know, that's not how it works. And, you know, when management tells you you're going to do this, then you, you got to make it work. And so, um, no, I'd say at first neither one of us really wanted to do it. But um, once we knew that was our opportunity, we jumped on it. And uh, we same as we did with our, our uh, Nashville match, um, we said we were going to put this together and we're going to make it work and we're going to be, become the best damn tag team there was out there. And, and that was our focus at the time. And, and uh so TNA started booking us, uh, using us as a team, and from then on, that's when you know we um, started putting our, our some moves together and our finishing moves, and um, got you know matching uh, gear, um, and we, we that's when we we're you know coming up with the name America's Most Wanted. So yeah, it was one of those deals where they they gave us the opportunity, and we just we had to make it work, and, and we did. That's pretty good as well because you guys were the six-time NWA tag champs. Yeah, um, weren't sure where we were going, uh, but like I said, we wanted to make it work, and um, it wasn't but a, a matter of months before uh, we were the. It was we got our first reign as uh, the NWA TNA tag team champions, and um, it just it was a it was just a roller coaster from there, man. We just we just kept going um as america's most wanted what was your um favorite match with you and james storm as a tag team what was your most memorable tag team match um with james storm part of america's most wanted that you liked overall oh wow um we've had so many favorites i mean we there was guys that we really enjoyed working with um and some of them were probably not even televised Uh, as far as the most memorable I would have to say the cage matches, uh, just because people still talk about them to this day, and and I'm not really specifying one or the other. <clears throat> we had uh, the, the two most uh, famous ones were uh, with Triple X, and we had the we had one in Nashville, which was the first um, first cage match in TNA. So we we were credited with that, which was felt really good because it, it made us think that the company had faith in us to perform well and, and put you know help put them on the map so we had the uh, the first cage match in um, TNA in Nashville with Triple X um, that was for me that was most memorable because we did the death sentence from the top of the cage um, but also the, uh, the the six side to steel which was in Orlando with Triple X and I think that one was most famous for Elix walking the top of the cage. So those are probably the most memorable. Um, but as far as our favorites, I mean, God, we, we enjoyed working with Triple X, but we also had some great matches with the Naturals. Um, they were they were great to work. We had great chemistry with those guys. And um, you know, early on, we had uh, with the New Church. Um, we had some great battles with those guys. And, and plus we had, this is, I guess this is more personal for Storm and I, but to get to work with teams like the Rock and Roll Express, uh, we worked with the Harris Brothers, uh, we actually got to work with um, 
uh, Dory and Terry Funk, and um, we had we had so many fun times with uh, the James Gang, who was the New Age Outlaws, um, and then many battles with uh, uh, the Dudley Boys, Team 3D. So I mean, there's many favorites, man. We had we had some great matches with all these teams, um, and a lot of people, like I said, some of them are just they just stick out more than others, and they're more memorable than than others, but. Um, man, what a great ride. It was. I enjoyed that great ride because I remember watching you guys in TNA. You guys were like one of my favorite tag teams, you know, in um, in the wrestling business at that time as well. And then the thing I didn't like about what TNA did you guys is when they spl- uh, splitted you guys up. What were you feeling when they decided to split you up? Well, going, going back to what you said about the tag team, it- it almost seemed like, and it's so hard to believe, you know, thinking back this far, but um, 2002, you know, tag team wrestling just wasn't wasn't big at the time, um, you know. And we can we can bring up the WWE, and you know, they, they just they just were not a big tag team company. Um, it, they would they would throw two single stars together, um, they'd be a tag team for six months or less, and then they'd break up and feud, and 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 that was it. And I think that's what got the attention on us so much is because we really went back to the roots of tag team wrestling. I mean, we went back to um, guys that we watched growing up, you know, the Rock and Roll Express, the, the, the Horsemen, the Midnight Express. I mean, you know, guys like that, you know, the Heart Foundation, the Bulldogs. We, you know, we went back and studied, studied those matches. And when we got into our tag team match, and like I said, when we got the opportunity and we wanted to make it work, we just applied what we were taught about tag team wrestling and applied that to our tag team. And it just started getting the attention. And a lot of people were saying, you know, we're like the old school tight tag team. And, um, and I, I appreciate that. I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear that because, you know, we were bringing it back to bringing it back to the, the, the surface. We were, you know, getting people to love tag team wrestling again. And uh, we were on a really good roll. And like I said, it was 2002. And I think by, hell, 2003 or four, uh, they were already talking about uh, breaking us up. And, you know, we were still young in the company, but we had, you know, kind of made a mark. And so while we couldn't have changed things, if that's really what they wanted, we did voice our opinion and told them, that look, this is the early stages of America's Most Wanted. There's a lot we can do, you know. We, we just told them that that's that we really did not want to go that direction, and uh, there was just more life left in us. And luckily, they listened to us, kept us together. You know, we were together a number number more years, and um, yeah, they didn't they didn't break us up till I think it was early 2007. So so we had a great ride, and you know. It, when it was over, it was over. You know, we. I think we, you know, we still could have done more, uh, but um, that was the direction they wanted to go. And and Storm and I are always pretty determined with what you know the the cards were dealt. So when they when that was dealt to us, and we were going to feud with with each other, that's when we told again told ourselves, you know, look, we're we're known as a tag team now. So um, you know, after all these years. We're gonna to have to prove ourselves all over as singles competitors. So that's what we did when we feuded with each other. We went out there and killed each other in our matches, and and we got noticed for that as well. Yeah, you did. One of the famous matches you guys got noticed as well when you guys like faced each other was the um, 
Texas death match, which I think was a underrated match of all time, and it was very bloody. Now that that's probably one of my favorite matches of, of all time. Um, yeah, I mean, there was. I wouldn't consider ourselves hardcore wrestlers, but um, when it when it means something and it matters, um, you can really introduce different aspects of, of hardcore into it. So. Yeah, it was a Texas death match. Again, a Texas death match goes back to the you know, years back in wrestling. Obviously, the, the, the matches originated in Texas. But basically, there was no rules. And that's when they were doing the, uh, you know, you had to answer the, the 10 count. And um, at that point, we were, the story was so good with Storm and I. And obviously, we had the history built up since 2002. People really wanted to see us beat the shit out of each other and that's exactly what we did we went out there it was it was a bloody brawl i mean we bloody uh, we brawled in the in the crowd um there were a lot of weapons involved um and we even introduced or not introduced but brought back the beer bottle which is what caused our breakup in the first place so um one of my favorite matches it was it was great to work with storm i you know i love tagging with him but you know even as a uh, competitor um, he's one of the best, and we went out there and uh, did what we were supposed to do. And it, like you said, it got noticed. Uh, even as even though we were singles, it still got noticed by the wrestling world. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I loved it. I think that was my favorite match of your guys's as well. And what you were speaking earlier about the beer bottle when he smashed it right into your eye, I bet that had to hurt. Yeah, that didn't feel good. <laughs> but um, you know, when, when we were. Uh, putting things together as far as the split you know it just it, it just it all fit together you know the, the story was there um you know he he carried the beer bottle to the ring every every night with him so um it introduced the beer bottle to me and and so we included that in the finish um uh, the, at the texas death match so yeah no getting hit in the head is one thing getting hit in the eye that's that's another thing I know you had that ugly eye patch as well, and there was another memorable match of your guys' I like too, which it got noticed as well. It was the blindfold match of the Six Sides of Steel. Yeah, that was memorable for for many other reasons. Um, the story with that is um, they, they had me out for I don't know how uh, maybe five six months. Um, I was they had me on the shelf. And Storm was picking up his steam, his momentum, uh, singles. Then when they brought me back, I came back with the eye patch, and uh, we, uh, you know, continued to feud a little bit. But our first match back, after all this buildup, our first match back was going to be a blindfold match. Now, gimmick-wise, I get it. You know, he busts my eye, I'm blind, you know. Yeah. Back, you know, in the, in the wrestling world, blindfold match, that makes sense. The problem was with the match is that people wanted Harris and Storm to beat the living shit out of each other. You can't do that in a blindfold match. You're 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 you're, you're wearing a hood. Yeah. So um, God, I'm trying to think of what city that was in. I'm, I'm thinking it was Kansas City, maybe. I, I I can't remember where we were, but um, the fans just shit all over it. And and to be honest with you, I mean, as, as horrible as it makes you feel, I really don't blame them. I mean, they wanted to see us fight. And that's not what we were going to give them. Um, you know, we had to work the gimmick of the match, of the blindfold match. So I think, you know, as much as they shit on that match, 
Um, I think that's probably why, because our next match was a Texas death match, and I think that's why that one was so much greater and, 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 uh, and spectacular to everybody. Uh, I think Storm and I most definitely delivered, but I think people were ready for that one because we gave them what they wanted. You know, we, they wanted to see us to fight and beat the crap out of each other, and that's what we gave them in that one. I know it was great, man. I just loved it. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And speaking of that, I watched that today before um, I had you on the podcast. I had to watch that just to, you know, get a kick out of it. <laughs> it's funny you said that because uh, I told you I was, I was uh, with family for, for the holidays. Yeah. And, um, you know, it definitely was not me bringing it up, but uh, a few people brought up, you know, to watch a, a match of mine. And then a couple other people said, well, if they were going to watch a match, and they, they, that, that was their favorite. So there were some that hadn't seen it, and they actually played that match. They uh, looked it up, and, and uh, so I just watched that match you know, maybe a week ago myself. So it's, it's, funny that, it's funny that you said that, and it's funny that we're talking about it now. I know. It's pretty good because it's so memorable as well. And also, um, besides feuding with uh, James and TNA, um, you were uh, back as a single wrestler as well in TNA. Um, what was your best memories of a singles wrestler in TNA? Um, I know you got a title match um, in TNA with Jeff Jarrett as well. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was actually in the early days. Um, in the team was Storm, uh, America's Most Wanted. Storm had a shoulder injury, so he was kept out for a little bit. And um, I was lucky enough that uh, management saw me as a top contender for the title. So there was a number of months that uh, that I was going after the NWA title and uh, with Jeff, Jeff Jarrett. And so um, it was very memorable uh, that we did on one of the, uh, the, uh, paper, the I think it was a Wednesday pay-per-view. Um, we were doing it back then. Um, I was well into the t- title picture. I had some, some, uh, Great matches with uh, with Raven, um, AJ Styles, um, and then that was when they introduced the uh, King of the Mountain match. I was in the first one of that um, with uh, I think it was Jeff. Let's see, Jeff, uh, AJ, Raven, Ron Killings, and uh, and myself. I guess that was it. Um, so yeah, I was in the title picture back then, and, and I had a good singles run then. And I think it was when we. Uh, we went to Fox Sports, or it might have even been Spike TV. When we went to Spike TV, um, management wanted us all in the right places just to, because we were going to be unveiled to a whole new audience. And so they thought that we were best bet as America's Most Wanted in the tag team scene. And um, so we were put back together and um, even got another title run out of that to, to debut on Spike TV. So um, that was great. And then, um, but yeah, once America's Most Wanted was done, I had another great, great run there. Um, I think one of my favorite matches there was uh, with Christian. Uh, Christian was big in TNA at the time. I had a great match with him. And then another King of the Mountain match with, um, since I had been in a tag team for so long, these guys I hadn't been in the ring with. It was Christian. AJ was in there again. Uh, We had Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle was in it too. So, you know, I got to mix it up with a lot of the guys in uh, in singles matches uh, that I remember well, and uh, I remember uh, Dustin Rhodes was came in, had some matches with him, and I think they were leading to something with Kurt Angle and myself 
um, I think that's where we were headed. At least that's what I was told before um, before I left. Yeah. Um, also, um, speaking earlier in the show too, uh, you were talking about you know how you worked with Abyss in the ring as well, and um, tell us a little bit about working with Abyss and what your guys' chemistry was, and also you know uh, being part of the ASWA, and you guys were also the tag champs over there as well. Yeah, same as when we were talking about the history with Slick Rick and Roger yeah. Ruffin. Uh, I ha- we have to bring Abyss into it as well, man. He is. Um, on and off the road has been one of my closest uh, closest friends uh, that I've had. We started together. I think he came in maybe a year after I did in the NWF and um, had so many matches back then. We had a great great feud um, many times in the NWF. So uh, and, uh, there was many, uh, many miles driven together. A lot of that was the Nashville trip, trips. Um, because he also was working down there at uh, at times, and um, he was also on the first uh, TNA pay per view, the very first one they did. Um, uh, like I said, it, you know, when the, with Storm and I's match, they um, they had contacted us too. Well, they also got in contact with him as well because he he was on that um, that event that they were scouting, and so he was on the first TNA pay per view. I'm not exactly sure what they were going to do with him at the time, but out of that, he got offered um, an opportunity in Puerto Rico. Uh, Dutch Mantel was helping with the, the booking, I think, uh, for, for the early TNA events, or at least he was there. I'm not sure how much in the office he was, but uh, he was he was still working with Puerto Rico and offered them a, offered uh, him a opportunity down there. And so he went and spent uh, an entire year in Puerto Rico, and that's actually where he uh, they, he uh, got the name Abyss and debuted the character. It was down there, and it was a big hit there. And so when he came back for uh, after a year there, he came back to TNA in 2003, and um, instead of uh, himself, which originally he was known as Justice, um, instead of the Justice character, he debuted Abyss, and Abyss just took off there from TNA. So, um, after all of our history, it was really it was really great to be able to work with him in a company that we knew was was headed somewhere, and we believed in, and and we you know we lived those steps together when we went to Fox Sports and um, doing the uh, going down to Orlando at uh, Universal Studios and going to Spike TV and. It, doing the monthly pay-per-views he was part of all that so it was it was it was great to have a friend there and uh, somebody that you know we had talked from early days when we were working regular jobs how much we just wanted to we wanted to be wrestlers and we wanted that to be our our jobs we wanted to be full-time wrestlers and be on the road all the time and <laughs> things like you know things that you wish for at the time and we were living our dream and um, it's been great and uh, since I've been out of TNA, you know, most people know he's he's been there the entire time, um, even working the working in the office, and so we haven't um, gotten a chance to spend as much time as we used to together. Um, we still try to once in a while, even at NWF events, uh, we'll get to connect. But um, the ASWA is the promotion um, and the guys that I had explained earlier, like the, that I had trained with before I hooked yeah. up with Roger. So 
um, these guys reached out to me, um, even though I was, you know, on a downslope of my career and wanted to bring me in. And, and mostly, more than just the wrestling, I really wanted to see some of these guys again and, and reconnect with them. So that's when I started going up for them and uh, working for the ASWA again, and I really enjoyed it. And they had um, sparked interest in bringing Abyss, and I jumped on it. I said, I told them all about him, and you know, and I mean, everybody pretty much knew everything about him from TNA, but um, I really encouraged them to uh, bring him in. And they brought him in a couple times, and and the next thing you know, yeah, they had us teamed up, and we were going after the ASWA tag team titles, and we wound up walking out with them. So that was kind of a nice, nice touch on the. You know, finishing stages of my career, and you know, who knows, maybe his too. I don't know where he is at this point, but um, it was nice that you know we got the, got our arms raised uh, with some gold there, and um, and that was fun. And um, we're actually stepping back in the ring against each other again uh, this Saturday. That's pretty awesome as well. And speaking of ASWA as well, um, you also got to uh, tag with James Storm as well over there too. Yeah, that was a, a similar situation, like Abyss. Um, I was talking to uh, uh, Jimmy Lee, who's the guy that runs the promotion, and he had talked about bringing Storm in, and I said, great idea. And I said, I'd love to you know, be able to say, you know, sit down with him and, and team with him again. And it had nothing to do with the titles. I was just looking forward to being on a show with him again and uh, tagging with him and having America's Most Wanted together again. And, and that's how they promoted it. They said, you know... Uh, you know, America's Most Wanted together again, and uh, that's how the promotions went for it. So we did it, and didn't even think of where it would go from there. But um, yeah, America's Most Wanted walked out with the ASWA tag team titles, and that was that was a, a, such a thrill for me, and I hope for Storm as well. Oh, it had to been because I know you guys had a great time working together, and I bet when you guys finally got back together over ASWA, you guys. Um, got connected right back and you guys knew each other in the ring so that's probably what it made it you know so fun yeah I mean I, I, a lot of it even though you know I'm older and, and slower uh, can't do as many things as I used to but but still the connection and the you know the the, the psychology and things like that they just fit right together all over again I think so too I'm also speaking of in-ring psychology nowadays it seems like um, hardly any of the wrestlers use it nowadays in the indies. I don't know if you've noticed that. I have. Yeah, I mean, I'm critical a lot of what I see to a lot of what I see. Um, maybe that's because I'm not involved, and so it's easy for me to pick it apart. Um, but no, there's just not as much psychology involved anymore. I mean, I see guys when they're you know putting matches together that there's just there's just I don't know there's there's something missing um, guys can still go out there and perform great I mean there's great workers on the indie circuit um, there's great workers in the NWF right now but um, there are some times where I, I see guys putting things together and you know and I'm, I think to myself you know I, I would do it a different way and by no means am I the you know greatest worker or, you know putting matches together or anything like that but there's, I do feel like I can you know, add a little bit to it. So, um, yeah, I've noticed that a little bit, you know, I, but also, I mean, you also have to say, I mean, the indie promotions and, um, indie wrestling right now is, is on a upswing. You know, there's, there's some great promotions and, 
Um, you know, a lot of a lot more money backers than there used to be. So, you know, indie wrestling is um, is pretty big right now. So they must be doing something right. Yeah, they are because it's on fire. I totally agree with you as well. And speaking how you, um, you know, when you and James brought the uh, tag team uh, popular again as well for a while in the Indies, it seemed like uh, tag teaming today wasn't as as big how it was back in the day. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think back of. Uh I really don't can't remember what to compare it to because uh, I was always a singles wrestler uh, yep. in the Indies. Um, but yeah, from what I've noticed, yeah, I mean it's you know there, there's some good tag teams out there. Yeah, there is. I think I think there's some that um, you know I think some are about to explode, but there are some that really are putting the dedication into the tag team instead of just a, a stepping stone to get somewhere where they want to go. But um, I think, and this is advice for a lot of. The, the good tag teams out there that want to go somewhere together, you know, if they go back to the basics and, and bring out some, some old school wrestling and some tactics and, uh, you know, got the ring in half and, you know, just think some of the small things, then you can really go somewhere as a tag team wrestler nowadays. I mean, especially, you know, with the big boom of um, the indies right now, you know, you get your name known on the indies and, you know, then some, you know, some of the big companies that can, can pay you some money, you know, they're, they're going to be interested and they're going to want to take you. Oh, I totally agree with you as well. And another thing I want to ask you too, you had a short run with the WWE as uh, Braden Walker. Um, tell me a little bit about that and what happened. Why did it last so short? Um, yeah, I, I went with them, I guess it was the beginning of 2008. Um, and I had high hopes with it. I mean, I wanted to see where I could go with it. It was a whole new world for me. And um, I've I've expressed this in long form many times. Um, just to give you the short version, um, I think a lot of things were promised, and um, they made it sound like it was a, a great thing going on, and and they really had high hopes for things that were going on. I met with the the writing team, and um, you know, we just seemed like we had some really good things going on, and. Um, overnight it just um, there was just nothing there was nothing there um, there was no build up uh, nobody knows who Braden Walker is um, I had had a history of I don't know how many years at that point um, that you know I, I, I felt like I was bringing something to the table and I've kind of accepted the fact that um, they were going to give me a new look I accepted the fact that um, you know there, there may not have been a Wildcat Chris Harris you know that's just how it went at the time and um but there was just nothing i mean it was you know i I remember the the few matches i did you know i would go out there and there was just no um it was just blah and i tried to pick it up as much as i could but you know where i'm good is in the ring and they were even taking that away from me i mean i i think every every one of my uh, uh main moves that i had they would not let me do because it was too similar to something that you know somebody else was doing. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's almost like I had to go back to the, the basics, and you know, I don't know. It just it just didn't work. Um, they they were no help. Um, you know, this billion dollar company that was supposed to be able to, you know, put great things on TV. You know, they they were no help, and they really to me didn't know what they were doing. Um, and 
then I was in a whole nother world. So I, I kind of had my hands tied and, um, what I, the only positive thing I can see that, um, not, not that came from that, but that I've seen develop over the years is that, you know, once I was gone, um, we have seen now in the past uh, few years, it, it's almost like the WWE has accepted the fact that there is uh, wrestling elsewhere. There's there's other wrestling out there that is successful and and great workers, great stars. Because in the in the last few years, we've seen AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe. Um, you know, Eric Young is now now on there in uh, in his group. So I. I'm glad these guys are being able to be themselves, and because uh, you know when I see them on there, you know that that they're able to use the same name that they had for you know their their entire career. Whereas somebody like me, you know, they they wanted to completely repackage me. And um, when you've been doing it as long as I had at the time, it's just it's that's very hard to do. And um, I think somewhere along the lines, I have never heard this. Nobody's ever told me, but I think they accepted the fact that you know. Let these guys be them. Let them be what what got their name noticed, what got them recognition. You know, AJ's a great example. And God, if they, if they had tried to change AJ Styles, I mean, he, he wouldn't be the guy he is today. You know, they let him be AJ Styles, and, and that's why he's such a great success. And I think, you know, I think Bobby Roode's about to turn a corner. I think, you know, once he gets out of the tag team he's in now, he's going to you know, go as high as he could possibly go. Joe's on a great ride. And I have high hopes for Eric Young when he gets to break out on his own. So, um, no, my, my experience was was not great at all. Um, it did a lot of damage to me. You know, once I got out of there, I just, um, you know, I didn't have the same passion for the business. They, they kind of killed that for me. Um, but I was on, um, I was on the downswing of my career. So, um, you know, at, at that point, I just... I had accepted the fact that, you know, I did a few more years, I think, where I was doing some traveling, but, you know, now I'm just, I'm just happy to be around the business and, uh, you know, whether it's on the local event or or what, but, um, you know, I, I'm not unhappy about, you know, the way it happened, you know, it just didn't work out with WWE. I, I, I owe all of my success to TNA. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, TNA was great as well. And speaking of James Storm, he had a brief stint in, uh, NXT, I'm not sure what led to that. Um, I'm sure we talked about it, but I, I'm not sure what led him to that. But he was exploring other options, and I was actually surprised when uh, when I saw his debut. You know, he came out had the same look. Um, they used Cowboy James Storm. I'm not sure about the music. I can't remember what what they did for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, he, he was. Uh, I think he had an opportunity there. And him and I have discussed that, and I'm not sure how much he wants out there, so I won't talk too much about it. But yeah. um, I think he had an opportunity there, and uh, but I think TNA was also offering an opportunity, and I think um, he probably took the smart choice at the time because I think he knew he could uh, come back to TNA and and really make you know continue the path that he'd already been on. Whereas the WWE was uh, a big question mark. I mean, it's a it's a it's a whole other world, and you really never know what's going to happen. So, I think at the time he, you know, he came back to TNA. It was probably the, the right move for him. Um, and then, as we know, you know, later years, you know, he, he went back on the indie circuit, and um, 
And I know he's had talks with WWE. I'm not sure what the direction is there. Um, I don't know if, if he is going, if he wants to go, if they want him, if they're going to hire. I, I don't know any of the details there. Yeah. Like I said, I, I wouldn't unveil him anyway because I'm not sure uh, what needs to be out there or not. But I do know he's doing great. Um, you know, since he, since he left uh, TNA or Impact, whatever you want to call it now, and since he's left there, he's he's a big hit on the indies. He's, he's you know... Uh, get some great bookings making some good money and i believe he even uh, beginning of the year has a a big event in tennessee where he's going after the nwa um heavyweight title so you know you know he, he's doing great hey you know something speaking of nwa who knows maybe uh you and uh james storm can get together in nwa because they're going to be bringing back in 2019 the crockett cup i did hear about that so uh, i know they're they're putting a lot of teams together and um and that yeah they were uh, i think they were talking about i think the tag team titles first they were they were going to bring those back but then i heard no that they were first going to do the crockett cup so you know that's pretty cool that's great news i'm, I'm all for any any uh, nostalgia or um anything that was big you know in old school back in the back in the day um so i'll, I'll be i'll definitely be interested in that and you know I don't know if, if I would be a if I would be a, a asset to that or not, but it would definitely be pretty cool to have America's Most Wanted name on the on the Crockett Cup. <laughs> I think it would be wild because when I um, I went to the NWA 70th anniversary show, you know, at the same arena where they filmed you know a tna and an impact down there and it was so historic when uh you know billy corgan uh, mentioned the crockett cup man i was so geeking (laughs) that's great it's great to have a you know corgan who is uh, you know i've met him but i don't know him very well but it seems like he you know really wants to bring back a lot of the you know historic type of events and um um Dave Lagana, who he was a writer for TNA and uh, is now the writer for NWA. I've, I've been in touch with him, and you know he, I've never, um, never known him well enough to, to know his views on you know the the direction of wrestling. But it you know I, I do like what they're doing. I love what they've done with Nick Aldis. Um, you know I've known him for many years, good friend of mine, and I think he's carrying the the world title. You know, great going all over defending um i love what they did with him and cody rhodes um and i like you said i'm gonna be uh, i'm gonna be watching to see this whole uh, crockett cup plan out yeah me too as well and another thing i want to talk about too you were uh part of blue water championship wrestling too and you know dealt with uh you know cody hawk and the five most wanted yeah, I went. Uh, I go back way with way uh, with uh, Sean Casey. Um, he was in my early days of the NWF. We even had the NWF tag team titles, and um, he had brought up this five most wanted deal to me. And uh, but it was kind of after they had already done it, so I, I'm not sure. You know, I think it's kind of obvious where they got the name, but um, you know, they already were on this kick of the five most wanted, and he. Uh, he called me up and was interested in having me be a part of it. Um, and they just thought it was kind of neat to have, you know, America's most wanted cross with the five most wanted. And, you know, and I'm, like I said, at that stage, I was, I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's make something work. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the promotions that are, are, uh, really on the uprise. Um, 
Andrew, who's the guy that runs it, he um, he seems to have pretty good uh, business sense and um, how to run the promotion. So um, I look forward to big things for them. Um, I wasn't there. I don't think it was too long. Um, I did the five most wanted thing with uh, with Sean, and yeah, Cody was involved. Uh, I've always uh, liked Cody, and um, I think they even had a deal like different cities they went to. They would involve other people, so. Technically, it really wasn't just five people. It was it was five different five in every city. So I'm I'm really not sure exactly where they were going with that. But um, but yeah, that was fun. That was fun to be able to work with those guys again. And um, I haven't been there in a while, but hell, I'd, I'd love to hook up with those guys again. You know, I, like I said, I see big things with them. So um, I've sent a, a couple of local guys here from uh, from uh, Cincinnati from the NWF um, that have I know. Um, a couple of them have gone up there and been big hits up there. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be able to, you know, send some of the young guys to places that, you know, I think that would really advance their career. And, and that's kind of where I am right now. I, I, I love doing that. I love working with some of the young guys, um, especially with the NWF. And, you know, when I, when I know some of the guys are serious and really want to go somewhere, I'll do everything I can to make that happen. Yeah, and speaking of some of the young talent over at NWF, um, you also worked with uh, Lord Crew. Tell us about that. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember when Lord Crew came on the scene a few years ago, and um, myself and Anthony Bryan. He's been around for quite a while as well. I've had some great matches with him, but him and I were kind of forming a group together. And uh, Roger had suggested bringing Lord Crew on. Now, when when uh, Tony and I, Anthony Bryan, when we were putting this together you know our idea was kind of to put some of the guys that have been around yeah. for a while because we wanted to you know put a good stable together that you know could really do something you know have some fun with the NWF but Roger had the suggestion with Lord Crew um, you know I think maybe Roger saw something in him but he also saw him as kind of being a loner out there by himself not doing a whole lot maybe involving him with us would, would it, uh, bring him up another level so um you know, of course, you know, Roger suggested that. We said, okay, let's make it work. So we brought Lord Crew in. Um, our group was called the Crimson Mafia. Yep. And, and um, you know, and, and uh, uh, Tony and Crew became the tag team champs with me, yeah, kind of as a Weasley manager kind of deal, even though I'm bigger than a weasel. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we kind of ran rampage over... Uh, end up yet for a few years and, and in that time I, I tried to take crew under my wing I, I think he's he, he's a fast learner so um, one of my first uh, things I advised him to do was try to get out there and get as many matches under his belt as he could and get as much experience as he could so he was doing that so I wasn't with him along all the way uh, but we would still kind of you know to talk about where he had been and what he had done and you know he was telling me about you know the different directions that some of the companies were taking so I I tried to advise him as much as I can I still do um I know he's got a lot of opportunities coming up in 2019 and him and I just had you know a couple good sit down discussions uh where I was advising him on some things so um I think this past few years really um really helped him out I hope that I helped him out he's he's thanked me many times so um, I think you know. I think he really appreciated what I, whatever I have done for him, and uh, will continue to do. But um, yeah, I mean, same advice I would give any young guy. I, I told him, I said, you got to get out there because they're not going to come discover you. 
And so he's done some really, uh, he's, he's done some road miles. I know he's, uh, he's been traveling a lot and picking up on some, um, really good connections. Um, I know he's in really good with, uh, um, the, uh, what is it? All the rock star. Yeah. Guys, which, um, you know, a few of those obviously are on, uh, TNA. Um, so I told him, I said, you know, to, to, you know, travel with them as much as you can because, you know, you just never know what, what kind of connections and where it can lead you. So, um, so yeah, Crew is one of my, um, you know, he's one of my closest, closest guys, closest buddies. And, um, and I do see some high hope, um, some high hopes for him in, in the wrestling business. So, uh, you know, I think 2019 could really be his year. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I've seen him uh, when I uh, first noticed him. Um, I noticed him, at, you know, Rockstar Pro, and I knew he also wrestled at NWF. I wasn't real familiar with him at NWF, but I knew who he was over at Rockstar. So I started uh, following this. I started following Lord Crew, you know, checking him out. And this kid has potential. I mean, he puts his blood heart sweat and tears in the ring i think i think he can end up being a rising star yeah man I mean, and one of the things that stands out and this this goes beyond just the you know the psychology of the business and being a great wrestler but he he puts a lot into and takes time with his look oh he does and, and a lot of people don't realize this when they're in the business but your look is at, at least half of it you have to follow, be able to follow it up um, in the ring. But, uh, you know, there's so many guys on the indie circuit now that, well, not should say now, I mean, it's always been like this, but, you know, they don't work out. They're, you know, half, half of an average size wrestler, and um, they may be great workers, but they just have no look. They look like every bum off the street. And um, the thing with crew is, I mean, you know, whether it's the beard or it's the, the tattoos or you know whatever the whatever it is, he's got a look to him, and and to top it all off, I mean he's one of the few that actually work out. You know he he cares about building his body up, so um, you know he he looks like a star, he looks like an athlete, and um, he's got a great look to him. And what he's doing now is developing on that. He's you know he's becoming a good wrestler. He's becoming. You know, a, um, a player in the game, he's, he's learning as much as he can. And that's the thing. He's taking in as much as he can and applying it to his matches. So, you know, and I know that because I'm out there with all of his matches in the NWF. So, um, yeah, he, he's, um, I mean, he may not be at the top yet. He may not, he, it may not even come in a year. But I think 2019 will be a big year for him. And, um, and I'm proud of him, and I can't wait to see where he goes. Yeah, me too. Um, he's a great kid. Um, I also had him on my podcast as well. He was a fun interview, and he um, on that podcast he spoke spoke very highly of you too. So, <laughs> oh, great! That's great. Yeah, he is. A, he is a fun guy to be around. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I talked about that with Roger and Rick and and Abyss. You know, there there's just as many times you know, out of the ring and off the road that we get all get to hang out and, you know, you just get to know the person. And, um, you know, I, I've gotten to know him very well, as, even his family. I mean, his, his family comes to his events and, you know, there's times where he's mingling and I'm sitting at the table with his, his parents, you know. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, that's the that's the neat thing about it. I mean, I get to know the person too. And, and I do think this guy deserves a, at least an opportunity. Um, I'm not going to say, you know, hey, he, People need to jump on it and swipe him up now. I mean, he's, he's yeah. still learning. 
and he's going to continue to learn. Hell, I, I've been in the business almost 25 years. I still learn. Uh, I, I love going to uh, NWF training sessions sometimes because I, you know, sometimes with the trainers, what they're teaching the young guys, it's like I, it reminds me of something. You know, maybe something I forgot 25 years ago. Um, so yeah, we're, we're all learning constantly, learning this business. But um, yeah, I mean, the uh, crew is a, a great guy. He's fun. He, he he's one of the guys that fits right in, in the locker room too. You know, when you talk about you know uh, jokes or ribs or you know or uh, you know just making fun of something, you know, he he fits right in with that. So uh, he's a lot of fun in the locker room and um, fun to hang out with and. Like I said, looking forward to, to big things with him. I think so too. And um, also, when you're um, not um, in the ring or you know going to training sessions, Chris, uh, what do you enjoy outside the ring? You have any like hobbies you enjoy? Yeah, I'm getting old, so I enjoy to sleep. <laughs> so you're catching up a lot on sleep, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I try to when I can. Um, no, I um, I. Um, I actually, I, I uh, recently, well, recently, like within the past couple of years, moved down, moved back to uh, my hometown that I grew up in. Uh-huh. So that was that was kind of neat, you know. I'm getting to re, uh, rekindle with some some uh, you know people from my childhood, and um, I just feel like you know this is kind of the second half of my life, and um, I think for any guys that that are going to go through this or obviously have gone through this, you know, you, you think wrestling is going to last forever. And, and when you're young, you want it to, and you think it's always going to be there. You know, that's just not always the case. And we just have to, you know, come to accept that. And, um, I, it, it took me a while to accept that. I didn't want, you know, I wanted to hang on as long as I could. Now I just enjoy being around it and be, you know, seeing the, some of the young guys, you know, rise and, um, and so that's one of the things I enjoy now. You know, whenever I have the free time, I I like to still be a part of the wrestling and and get out there, go to go to some events and um, help with the young guys. And um, you know, other than that, I'm I'm not. Um, I'd like to say I I still uh, go to the gym, but I don't. <laughs> uh, that uh, you know that that was something I. Um, I know that uh, Triple H has always said this, that, you know, people look at that as for a wrestler, that's that's your job, that's part of your job. And at times I it was, but at other times I just enjoyed it because I enjoyed the results it gave me. Um, I, I like being in shape. I love, I like being fit. Um, I like the way it, had, it made me look. So um, I'd like to, uh, you know, even though I, I'll never be able to look or lift, you know, the way I used to, but I'd, I'd like to be able to, you know, get back in the gym on a regular basis and uh, just get, you know, make myself healthier. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what I deal with now. I just, you know, I want to keep my health good and uh, keep in shape and um, and just look at, you know, I look at this as the, you know, the next part of my life. You know, the, the second half, I had a great first half, but um, the career I chose doesn't last forever. And um, that's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm at that transitional phase where you know I, I don't I don't get in the ring much at all anymore um, when I do I want it to be special um, but you know I, I kind of look at you know where I'm going from here and uh, you know got to say I want to I want to keep making good decisions and uh, you know just keep positive with life man I mean that's just you know that's all we can do exactly and where can everybody find you on social media if they want to know what you'll uh, be doing next uh, 
the best way to do it, um, I've always kept uh, kept loyal to my Twitter, which is at uh, AMW Wildcat. Um, I, I do check that, and that's probably, as far as social media goes, that's probably the best way to keep contact with me. And, um, you know, I, I still have some fans on there, and I love when they um, get in contact with me. So, you know, by all means, if anybody wants to send something out to me, I'd love it. Hey, you know something? I'm looking forward to meeting you in the future, and who knows? Maybe you and Rick and I can uh, hang out sometime. <laughs> I would love that, man. Hey, man, bring Slick Rick, and I'm there. Oh, uh, you, I know. You got to love Slick Rick. He, he's so fun to hang out with, man. It, it's just like a whole different adventure. <laughs> yeah, man. He, he's a great guy, and, and um, again, back to, I, I know I've said it, you know, a hundred times, um, <laughs> he's, one of, he's one of those guys, you know, business-wise. Yep. The best, the best, but hanging out with him, he's also the best. Yeah, he is. He's going to be uh, hanging out with me on my birthday this Friday too, so it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, great, man! You guys have a good time, and you know, and make sure you tell him I said hey. Oh, I will. Um, don't worry, we'll be. T- we'll, I'll be asking more stories about you from him too, so it's going to be all good. <laughs> uh, be careful. He's got. A, he's got a few that probably shouldn't be told i know right and chris thank you so much coming out of your busy time and i know you're celebrating the holidays with your family uh thank you for taking your time coming on to the podcast tonight oh no problem man i had a great time and thank you for having me yep and everybody else have a great evening and thank you for listening to wrestle